1: This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you.
2: They say that you can take the girl out of the South, but you can't take the South out of the girl. But can you take comedy out of a rom-com? Well, that remains to be seen as we attempt to prove to you that Sweet Home Alabama is not that bad. Welcome, welcome, one and all to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A-grades in B-movies. Now, when it was pitched for us to do the movie that we are talking about today, anytime I hear the words Sweet Home in Alabama in that order put together, my first thought is, oh yeah, I know that song, it's uh, Werewolves in London. But normally... We don't talk about music on this show. That's for the other show. We're talking about movies today, but we're still going to be talking about Sweet Home Alabama. And here joining us for the first time ever is Vanessa from the Movie Duel podcast. Vanessa, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
0: Hi Jason, I'm good. I'm good, thanks. How are you?
2: I am doing really, really well. Now, normally when we have someone from the Movie Duel podcast, it's Peter. But now tell us a little bit about your role on the movie podcast, or the Movie Duel podcast.
0: Um, So I joined about nine months ago. Um, Peter's original co-host had um, decided to leave the podcast. So he was looking for people to come on on a kind of rota basis. So we met through another movie podcast. Uh, And uh, yeah, so I go on kind of once every couple of months. I had to talk about different different movies and stuff, so um, yeah, I've been really really enjoying that. Um, in fact, I'm I think I've got one coming up with them at the end of this month. So um, so yeah, fairly new into podcast and I've only been doing it about like eight or nine months. But I'm really I just like talking, and it's a good way to talk. <laughs>
1: Exactly.
2: Well, luckily, we do a lot of talking here, so that's okay. <laughs> now, normally, too, when you're on the Movie Duel podcast, you're usually talking about movies that you like. So, yes. what is it about Sweet Home Alabama that made you want to come onto this show and talk about it?
0: I've always really liked it. Um, I mean, I, I didn't realise until I was doing some research yesterday how old it was. I, in my head, I thought it was maybe about like 15 years old. I had no idea it was over 20 years old. Um, and I first saw it in the cinema, I think with my mum, and I would have been about 18 at the time. And I just, I don't know, something about it really clicked with me. like. I'm not a massive rom-com fan, but I do quite like like a, a good, light, sweet, easy-to-watch rom-com. And um, to me, this is just like exactly what it says on the tin. It's nice, it's sweet. Um, parts of it are quite funny. It's not probably the funniest rom-com, but it's just a really easy kind of comfort watch, I suppose. It's the type of thing I can put on if I'm maybe not feeling very good or feeling a bit down and it just makes me feel instantly, instantly better. So yeah.
2: Everyone's got to have those feel-good movies Mm. and I could see how this would be someone's feel-good movie. But before we get too far into talking about the movie, before we dive too far into Alabama, it is time to take this Reese Witherspoon rom-com and trailerize it.
1: How well do you know the one you love? What mysteries does she keep under lock and key? What secrets are she hiding? You'll start to ask yourself that after watching Sweet Home Alabama. Melanie Carmichael has taken New York by storm after leaving her stormy past behind. Now on the cusp of marriage, she must return to her sordid past of vandalism, debauchery, and feline combustion in order to get her first marriage annulled, all she needs is the signature of the man she once loved, who holds the pen over her head like a sword of Damocles. One can't let go, one can't wait to let go. Who will give in? Reese Witherspoon is the adorable cat killer in sweet home Alabama. Rated PG 13 for Pass the Grits. Uh,
2: i i was waiting for someone to serve up grits in this film it really leans heavily into the the, a lot of those southern tropes but funny enough the producer of this film kind of had the same life experience they left alabama changed their name and made a name for themselves in the movie so kind of fits. feels like it fits i guess the uh the creative Aspect of it, but let's get into who's in this film. The movie stars Reese Witherspoon, Patrick Dempsey, Josh Lucas, Candace Bergen, Mary Kay Place, Fred Ward, Gene Smart, and Ethan Embry. However, there is an almost starring in this one. Before we get to the main one, Catherine Town had a role in this film as Melanie's assistant, who eventually marries Patrick Dempsey's character after the marriage is called off, but those scenes were dropped. But the big one here is the role of Melanie Carmichael herself, as played by Reese Witherspoon. Apparently, it was supposed to be Charlize Theron. I don't know if I can picture her in this.
0: No, I read that yesterday as well. And this is going to sound bad because I actually really like Reese Witherspoon. But at the time, I think Charlize Theron was taking on like meteor roles. Whereas Reese Witherspoon, I think she'd only just recently done like Legally Blonde when this came out. And I don't know. I just, um, I mean, I think, she, I think they're both really good actors in different ways. Like I think Charlize Theron, actually I rewatched The Devil's Advocate recently and I forgot that she was in that and she's actually really, really good in it. Um, But no, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I I don't think I can see it. I think it would be quite a different movie if she was in it.
2: I think it's one of those things where you take a look at someone's you know body of work and sit there and say, I don't think of Charlize Theron the minute I I think of rom coms. Like it's it's just not there. Like, yes, she is a phenomenal actress. Yes, she has the ability to disappear into her roles. Is she a rom com actress though? I'm not quite sure, but Reese Witherspoon in the other hand kind of fits the mold a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think just looking at, um, like I said, Legally Blonde that she'd done not that long ago, I think she definitely fits the mold a bit more. Having said that, it would be interesting now to see what the movie would be like with Charlize Theron. And that lead in role
2: definitely. I mean, if you take a look at the movies that Charlize Theron had done leading up to this film, uh, she was in That Thing You Do. She was in The Astronaut's Wife, which, okay, I can see why there, as well as um, a few other films. But nothing really, I mean, aside from Sweet November and The Astronaut's Wife, nothing that really screams rom-com. And even those aren't really rom-coms per se. No, no. I mean, let's be honest, Charlize Theron could do pretty much whatever the hell she wants. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I think they they ended up with the better choice in Reese Witherspoon. Yeah,
0: definitely.
2: The movie is directed by Andy Tennant, who previously had directed Hitch, Ever After, and Fool's Gold. So you have someone with a lot of... um, rom-com and at least romantic and comedy influences into their you know into their repertoire and i I think that shows in how this is directed
0: yeah yeah absolutely
2: this movie actually did very well at the awards not to not to list all of them because there are quite a few but just a few standout ones here at the 2003 glad awards the film was nominated for outstanding film wide release but lost to the hours at the 2003 MTV Movie and TV Awards, Reese Witherspoon was nominated for Best Female Performance, lost to Kirsten Dunst in Spider-Man. I, I don't know about that one. I mean, Spider-Man was big. I, yeah. I, I don't know if Reese Witherspoon got outacted by Kirsten Dunst, but that's MTV.
1: <laughs>
2: and at the 2003 Teen Choice Awards... Reese Witherspoon, again, was nominated for choice movie actress in a comedy she lost to Queen Latifah for bringing down the house. Hmm. And Candace Bergen was nominated for choice movie villain lost to Colin Farrell in Daredevil. And I can't believe someone lost to any, you know, lost to anyone for anything to that 2003 (laughs) Dare, 2003 (laughs) Daredevil (laughs) film. But here we are. The movie, however, did win for choice movie comedy and Witherspoon and Josh Lucas won for choice movie lip lock at the box office this film did very very well had a budget of 30 million dollars domestically it grossed 127 million and worldwide 180 million dollars it was the number one film when it was released on the September 27th 2002 weekend and yes you mentioned it this film is 22 years old so (laughs) I can feel the back aching already here it made 35 point 6 million dollars more than double the next Film on the list Which was the debut of The Tuxedo Which starred Jackie Chan And Jennifer Love Hewitt But the reason why we are here Not because Vanessa said hey do you want to actually do this film Is the critics Over at Metacritic this film has a meta score of 45 And over at Rotten Tomatoes The audience score is a really good 78% The Tomatometer Tells a different story At 38% Now, I recognize that rom-coms aren't exactly going to be beloved by critics, but why the hate on for this one?
0: I don't know. I mean, is it because it it, it, it is quite tropey? I think you mentioned that. In fact, there's something I need to ask you because we don't know, like we don't get these here. What are grits? What are, is it potato?
2: (laughs) You know what's funny? Because I, I'm Canadian, I just know that grits exist. It it sounds like something sloppy. I've never actually personally had grits, right? Okay. But and and again, maybe that's just my perception of Southern cooking. Yeah, of, yeah. Although some of it could be very very good. I just in my mind, grits is something I don't ever want to go down that road.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks. I just wondered what they were. Um. Yeah, I think it is quite tropey. Um, Is it particularly funny? Probably not. It's probably more on the ROM than the COM (laughs) side of that. (laughs) Um, Is it... I suppose... I don't know. I I, I suppose it must be a combination of those things because, like, I don't think any of the performances are particularly bad. I don't think that... um, I think actually some of the performances are actually quite quite good and quite funny. So I think it must just be because of the fact that it is a little bit tropey and there, it's a bit, there are stereotypes. There's, I mean, looking at it now, there's a couple of things that haven't aged particularly well. So I don't know if that side of it maybe is, is what swung. The critics are, like you said, the critics just generally aren't big fans of rom-coms. They just, you know, they're not very highbrow. They don't think much of them.
2: Damn critics. Mm-hmm. Although it's funny because we talked about grits a little bit, but one actual recipe that they mentioned in this movie, and I had to look this up because I was both intrigued and disgusted at the same time. Bologna cake. And I yeah, had to look up. Yeah, I, I had to look it up because I'm sitting there going, bologna cake just sounds like something you you say to someone when they're bull**** you. But yet... <laughs> Here is the dish, okay? It is cake made with layers of sliced bologna, cream cheese, and I'm not I'm not even lying. This is exactly what I'm reading off Google here, with ranch dressing or other seasoning for the for the cream cheese. And I just vomited in my mouth as I as I think I said it.
1: <laughs>
2: Who thought this was a good idea to make? This sounds like some drunk on some kind of really harsh hooch. And you're like, I got to cook something. What do we got in the fridge? (laughs) Bologna cream cheese and ranch dressing. Well, put it all in a bin and see what happens. (laughs) I I, want to know. I want to know. Dear listeners, I want to know if someone has actually gone out and tried bologna cake Please, for the love of God, tell me that there is some kind of culinary value in this. I'm curious and frightened at the same time. But before we gross out more of our listeners here, let's get to the breakdown as to why this film got the rating that it did. We start with Reese Witherspoon, who, of course, played Melanie Carmichael slash Smooter, because Melanie Carmichael, if that is her real name... Um, of course changed her her entire identity when she went to New York but how was Reese Witherspoon in this for you?
0: I think she's perfect I think she plays it really well I think she's sweet I think she's believable I think I mean I like Reese Witherspoon I like a lot of the stuff that she does I think she's a good actor but I think she's good at the comedy stuff as well as like the more serious kind of stuff did you see the film she did was it what was it called? Was it Wild? The one where she was like camping. She did some Pacific, Northwest Pacific, you know, it's like a long distance hike thing that you do. Um, and she was like a recovering, I think it was like heroin addict or something. It was based on like a true story. And it was, you know, it was a lot, it was a much darker film. I mean, I think she can do that kind of stuff. She can do the serious stuff, but she's also really fun in things like this, and things like Legally Blonde. And as we said before, Charlize Theron I can't imagine because I just feel like this is like Reese Witherspoon's movie. Like it's her, it's her movie. And she never like gets on your nerves either, I think, because that kind of character I think can become irritating sometimes, but I don't feel that with this character. I feel that she's quite likable even when she's doing really, really stupid stuff. Like you kind of understand it. I mean, I think actually... You know she does some of the stuff she does if you think about it it's actually not very nice because you get the impression she hasn't spoken to her parents for like seven years and they're just like nice people like they haven't done anything wrong so some of the things actually when you think about it you're like oh actually she's maybe she's not quite as nice but as a performance i think she's very solid and very believable
2: I mean, when you take a look at some of the actresses that were doing rom-coms in and around that time, um, actresses like Sarah Michelle Gellar, Jennifer hey. Love Hewitt, you know, there are some who I could picture in this. Uh, mm-hmm. they're on probably not. Um, I, so I think Reese Witherspoon is the perfect person for this. And I love the fact that, you know, when she's in New York... You know her accent is very New York, but the longer she's back in Alabama, you can hear the Southern drawl start to to creep out of it, and yeah. that that aspect I think of it was actually very well done. Uh, yeah. anyway, and given the, her past history, I mean, I did not see Wild, but I mean movies like Pleasantville. You know, oh, yeah,
0: cruel, of course, Pleasantville, yeah. Right, yeah. Cruel
2: cruel Intentions, you know, there, yeah. there were some really good films, and yes, Legally Blonde, of course, kind of preps her for the, you know, that kind of, not necessarily rom-com, but definitely a little bit more of the lighter-hearted fare. But I'm glad you pointed out the fact that Melanie isn't really the most likable of characters. You know, she's, you know, outing her friends, she's disdainful of everyone back in her hometown, she thinks she's above everybody, you know, and I'm going to talk about this when we get to, to Josh Lucas who played Jake, why the hell is he still pining for her after all this time? <laughs> like it, it, honestly, the way she is at the beginning of this film. And I'm just like, why have you not put pen to paper? Have you not figured this out? But, and, and yeah, the fact that she's so ashamed of her past and, you know, we don't necessarily really see an evolution of Melanie, you know, we see her have a little bit of fun and whatnot, but she still really wants to get the hell out of there and just get married. I, <sighs> Melanie doesn't have the character arc, I think that the film needs, or at least the script should have given mm-hmm. her.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not really a redemption because really she just gets everything that she wants. In fact, I'm sure I read something once that um, that said that actually. She was a bit of a sociopath (laughs) who can, you know, these like dual identities who doesn't care about other people. And there is a reading of it like that because what she does to Patrick Dempsey's character, and he's not the nicest character either, but I mean, that is really quite cruel. Um, What she does to Josh Lucas' character, what she does to her parents, how she treats her, like you said, her childhood friends. But then she's still at the end of it at the end of the movie, she still kind of gets what she wants because she gets married and, you know, she manages to somehow balance both the life in New York and the life in Alabama. So I suppose there is a reading of it, really, where she's quite, like, quite <laughs> a sociopath who just gets what she wants and doesn't care what happens to those about her. Well,
2: well, that's the thing. Like, if you break down this script and just give generalisations and you, you don't say Reese Witherspoon... Because the minute you say Reese Witherspoon, you know, in 2002, you get this image of a very wholesome actress, like very pleasant, because when she's on screen, she is absolutely a pleasant actress to, Mm -hmm. you know, to Mm -hmm. watch her performance, despite some of the performances that she's done in the past. Melanie Carmichael is not exactly the, the nicest of people, but yet somehow she gets away with it and the audience is supposed to actually root for her. I, I I was feeling more for some of the other people in Alabama. But the thing is, yeah. is that you can make this work by just changing the script a little bit, you know. Yeah. And you only have to do is change how she is in New York and Alabama works, you know, because in New York, it feels like everything is literally going her way, you know. Uh, she's taking off as a designer. Uh, she's top of the world. She's being married to someone who's in line for a high political position. Very powerful. Like, like everything is going well for her. And it doesn't look like she's working that hard to do it. Gets to Alabama and can't stand being back home. If she was working so hard and, like, literally killing herself in New York and then realized the life that she left back there and how much fun she actually had. Yeah. Yes. Does it sound a bit like a Hallmark film? An absolute like all you need is Christmas and it's a Hallmark film. <laughs> but it would at least give us a reason for Melanie to have that character redemption because if New York was so hard on her and Alabama showed her what she was missing, that was just being able to dial back and relax.
1: Yeah.
2: A much better film. Josh Lucas, who played Jake Perry, the the old husband, the one who needs to, you know, put his name on the paper. How was he?
0: I thought he was quite good. He's not an actor I know a lot. Funnily enough, I realized that him and Reese Witherspoon had actually been in another movie together. Do you know what movie that is?
2: I do not.
0: American Psycho. Yeah. Very that- different. Very
2: different. <laughs> <laughs> well well, given how you describe Melanie, maybe it's not that different. <laughs>
1: I I could picture Melanie
2: sitting there pulling in her business card. Look at the look at the quality of this card.
0: <laughs> you can actually see that. That is quite funny. Um, yeah, I thought Josh Lucas was pretty good. I mean, I mean, it's quite an easy part, isn't it? Like, it's obvi- I think you're going to sympathise with him. He's like a country kind of bumpkin type who. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean. How- I suppose the only thing and this isn't a criticism of the performance it's maybe just the way it was written like there isn't much to the character do you know what i mean like yeah he's like always oh, you know trying to prove himself he drives a truck he goes out to the local like roadhouse or whatever to play pool and drink with his friends and he doesn't like i don't know he's it's quite so that again, like this has nothing to do with the performance. I think the performance was absolutely fine, but I think it's quite a shallow, written character. There's not really much going on there. I don't know what you thought. I mean I
2: like I said I don't understand why why Jake is holding on to this idea of Melanie. And maybe maybe that's it. Maybe it's just the idea of Melanie, you know, first kiss, first love, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, he was the quarterback, he was the pretty girl in high school. I get it, right? But the thing is at uh, at least this movie does him justice in that it's the little things that he does. Like when she gets completely pissed drunk and pisses off everybody at the bar, he's at least still making sure that she doesn't drive drunk to get home yeah, and yeah. and brings him back to her parents. You know, yeah. he, he's, he's not, he's not even blowing her cover at the glass shop when she's there with her New York friends before the wedding, you know? And he also makes sure, you know, they show him almost confronting everyone when you know bobby ray's you know after he's been outed and everyone's like are you still the same person as you were yesterday good excellent let's all have a drink right like these are all really really good aspects towards jake so it would have made sense if it was kind of a reverse thing and that you know melanie still you know in her heart still had feelings for jake even though you know she left for new york you know, that reminder of, more, you know, easier times. Jake makes sense in this relationship.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know that makes sense, yeah.
2: Again, it's, it's still very hallmarked, though. It's so yeah. hallmarked. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, but an alabama christmas that's basically what this this remake would be (laughs) patrick dempsey is andrew hennings you said that he you know andrew wasn't necessarily a great guy i'm i'm curious where that comes from
0: i get the impression that the whole reason that he's with melanie is to piss off his mom because she she doesn't want him being with somebody like that she's obviously wanting him to be with some socialite, political old money people and like when he proposes and they're in the limo I think he says something like "Oh, I can't wait to see the look on my mum's face as if that's the only thing that he's interested in I don't think he's a terrible person but to me it's almost just like he's a little boy trying to rebel against his mum and that's the whole reason for his relationship with (laughs) Melody
2: Well, I mean, it, it's interesting that you point that out. And first of all, Patrick Dempsey—he's—he's he's exactly what you need him to be, right? Yeah, he is—he ex- yeah. is the perfect person for the role, even though the role isn't as flushed out as it should be. But when you take a look at you know at Melanie, at Jake, and at Andrew, each of them is trying to distance themselves from their past, right? Yeah. Melanie goes to New York, and even Melanie's mother. Was saying, you know, I don't want you to end up like I was, you know. Yeah. You, you've you got Jake's mother who's like, you know, you're just like your father kind of thing. And you've got Andrew who doesn't want to end up like his mother. You know, I mean, he clearly he loves Melanie. Otherwise, you know, he would have been on that Learjet and getting the hell out of Alabama rather than come back and go, well, maybe you can still be my wife. Oh, poor Patrick Dempsey. But <laughs> don't you know she's a sociopath? But anyways, <laughs> the thing is... I, I wish they had developed the relationship between Patrick Dempsey um, and Candace Bergen a little bit more. Like if, if we saw a bit more of the, you know, if she was even testing, like, like, like not testing, but, but, but basically like getting opinion polls on Melanie and how that affects her and how that pisses off Andrew. The fact that, you know, you know, she's that Melanie is nothing to his mother except for um you know public opinion then that would have at least made sense as far as Andrew going yeah no you know what no the mom's pissed you go ahead you you go marry your 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 old husband that that would have made sense Uh, as it was Andrew didn't feel as flushed and a lot of his motivations didn't necessarily feel as full as they could have been
0: yeah, no, that makes sense. I think he could have he could have done with fleshing out a bit, but I think Patrick Dempsey does the job well. I think he's perfect in that role. He's not something I don't watch. Um, what's that thing that he's in that um, medical thing? Oh, what's it called? There's a medical thing that he's in that he's been in for ages. uh Anat- is it Grey's Anatomy?
2: I think it is.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've never, I've never seen that, but um, I think he's like the leading character or something in it. But I think that in this, he does the job well. But as you say, it would have been interesting to maybe get a wee bit more about his relationship with. But it just definitely came to me, came off to me that he was mainly just trying to annoy his mum.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing with Patrick Dempsey is that I don't think you want him to be as let me let's put this out on front street right josh lucas has that very rugged former athlete kind of look to him that that very um small town handsome kind of thing going on you don't want patrick dempsey to mirror that but to the same token as well maybe if he did mirror that a little bit more then it would feel like melanie was trying to be with some someone that reminded her of jake But then, you know, it comes into a full recast and, you know, then you have to, you know, rewrite the entire script. So I I think Patrick Dempsey works in a New York sense to counter. And maybe that's it. Maybe you you need Patrick Dempsey to be not Southern. You need him to be very New York because that's what Melanie wants. Melanie wants the, the entire New York aesthetic, the job the guy the life like that makes sense and for that patrick dempsey is the perfect person but since we already talked about her candace bergen who plays kate hennings andrew's mother how delicious was she in this
0: i love her in this i think she's just absolutely i think she blows everybody else off the screen to be honest like when she's on screen she's just and there isn't much comedy in this but she gets a lot of really good lines um yeah i think i think she's fantastic i think she's just um funny um and just just like really i don't know how to say it but like she kind of commands the scenes that she's in like you're drawn to looking at her and not really looking at anything else but i think candace bergen is fantastic
2: i think this kind of falls into the whole Andrew things that I wish they delved into her a bit more because Kate was the perfect person to be a bit of the, the, the linchpin sewing, sewing discord into Andrews and, you know, thoughts about marriage and whatnot. Like I wish there was a bit more of can of Kate sending reporters or, or PIs to Alabama to find out more about Melanie and at every turn you know, like yeah. we, got, we got a little bit of that once we realized that apparently there was a cat that was exploded near a bank or something like that. And it was all thanks <laughs> to Mel. That's such me. a bizarre but I, I... I, I fear that something like that actually happened and that someone wrote that in. It's like, oh, yeah, you remember remember, remember Johnny? Remember what you did the cat? We're going to put that in this film. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: yes, I understand. We'll maybe get onto that at some point, but that bit is, is wild. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but the, the thing is, is that you have someone as so good as Candice Bergen and you don't utilize her to her full extent. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Like... If you're going to put an actress of that caliber in there and you're going to give her a juicy role, make it juicy and make it... But then to the same token as well, it would take away, I think, from the... Not necessarily the love triangle, because I don't think it's a love triangle, but it would take away from Melanie's um, Alabama rediscovery of her old life. So, I don't know. There's a bunch of different directions that this movie is going in, and I don't know if it decided exactly which direction it wanted to go to in the first place.
0: Yeah.
2: Mary Kay Place and Fred Ward, who played Melanie's parents. Um, I liked them. I want to know your thoughts.
0: I liked them both, actually. I thought they were I thought they were good. Um I felt sorry for them. Like I said, because they didn't do anything wrong. And Melanie's obviously gone to New York and gone, I'm just kind of washing my hands of you. Like I'm too good for you now. You're just kind of like simple country people, and um, obviously, our, you know, the dad, eh, eh, Errol, does all the, you know, like the, the Civil War reenactments and stuff. But I thought they were sweet. I thought it was quite funny because Fred Ward, I only know from Tremors, and he's also called Errol in Tremors, which is <laughs> a strange one. But, yeah, I thought, um like, with maybe kind of a running theme, they weren't that fleshed out. They were fairly one-dimensional characters, but I thought they were both really quite sweet. I probably like, like, not as performances, but as characters, I probably liked Errol maybe slightly more than Peril. Um, I don't know if it's just because he, I don't know, he just seemed...
2: Very much his own person, yeah.
0: Yeah, maybe there was just a wee bit more to him than her. But um, but yeah, as a couple, I thought they were nice, and they were like they were believable.
2: the one, The one thing I I never understood about about her mother is that it really feels like the you know the mother is feeling all this guilt because if Melanie felt like she had to get away to discover herself, how many how much resentment is her mother feeling about that? And she internalizing it. I mean, the thing with Fred Ward. I mean, a yeah, you, you mentioned Tremors, which, of course, is an absolute, like, just cult classic. Yeah. I remember the first time seeing, like, or at least knowing of, of watching Fred Ward was in Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins, which is an absolutely fun film. Um, but he is very much one of those, not necessarily lead actors, but he definitely, any movie that he's in, he makes that role a lot better. And I think it's one of those things where I like the fact that He's not a bumbling father. He yes. just yes. He, is he a Civil War larper? Yes, he is. Yeah, but everyone in the town is doing it as well. So, <laughs> and the the fact that you know, even Melanie after after seeing her dad, like it was kind of fun to watch him surrender. Like like there's the part where we should have seen a bit more, like Melanie seeing like just the just the relaxed nature of being back home. And how she kind of missed that a little bit, even maybe even deep down. And maybe she was denying how much she was missing it. I felt like her parents were there with the potential for showing Melanie what she's missing. But that part wasn't fleshed out. It was almost like, you know, the mom was there to show Melanie's guilt. And the dad was there to show a little bit of, you know, a more relaxed life. Jean Smart, who played Stella, who was Jake's mother, uh, a I couldn't believe it was Jean Smart, but b how was she for you?
0: Yeah, she was fine. I mean, she doesn't have much to do. Like she's not on screen that often. You don't get to know her as well as you get to know Errol and Peril. But I mean, I don't know. I don't think I know Jean Smart. Is she? You say her like you know you you've obviously you obviously know her from something else. I'm not sure that I do unless I'm. Not
2: thinking of something. Uh, maybe it's across the pond thing because she was, of course, was one of the main actresses in the show Designing Women. So the fact that she's a, you know, in the Sweet Home Alabama makes sense given the, the southernness of the characters on designing women. So that kind of makes right. sense. I, right. I think in this case as well, Stella not necessarily humanizes Jake per se, but I think in a way she humanizes Melanie a bit because you know, here's the girl who married her son and then ran off to New York, you know, and has been trying to get divorced from her son. And yet when she shows up at, at the bar, Stella's like, there's my favorite daughter-in-law. It's like, okay, that tells me that Melanie was a good person while in mm-hmm. Alabama. The, like Stella was the only one who made me think that Melanie was a good person when she was back at home.
0: Yay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. She does serve that kind of purpose because she is really keen for them to get back together, isn't she? So she must, she must see something in Melanie, and she must see something in the relationship. But, but no, I thought, I thought, um, as a performance, I thought it was good. I haven't seen or heard of Designing Women, so I don't know if that's something that we maybe didn't get here. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I've not heard of it. But yeah, I thought she was good. Just really, I suppose maybe the whole purpose of that character, like you say, is just so that. It, mean, it makes you think there's a reason that Melanie and um, Jake should get together. So maybe that's all she really needs to do, I suppose.
2: The other character that helped humanize Melanie a little bit was Ethan Embry, who, of course, played Bobby Ray. Again, we needed a bit more of characters like Stella and Bobby Ray in that those are the kind of people that are going to give us a reason to want Melanie to get everything good that's coming to her. Mm -hmm. How was Ethan Embry for you?
0: I thought he was really good. I really liked him. I thought he was fun. I thought he um, he did show a little bit more of the real um, Melanie. And and you got a little bit of depth out of his character. You got to know a little bit more about him. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I've seen him in anything else actually but i thought bobby ray was um and quite necessary because out of all the because there's a there's a few of them the kind of like childhood friends i think melanie linsky plays one of the others um he's the one that does humanize um melanie the most and then there is obviously this little you know when she does out him in the bar and stuff there's that little additional bit for him i suppose that little additional bit of his character so yeah i thought um i really liked him i thought he was good
2: if you're unfamiliar with ethan emery we've actually talked about him on this podcast before uh in the movie empire records where he played mark
0: oh right i never used an empire Records. Right? okay
2: but he was also in movies and this, you know you'll probably recognize some of these here uh vegas, okay. vegas vacation that thing you do yeah can't hardly wait no no not not can't hardly wait
0: no no i don't think so i, I, I can't think no
2: well he is still acting today uh, Most recently in Last Seen Alive But in 2018 of course he was also in First Man So you know, oh, right. there is a ton Of stuff with Ethan Embry in it But I think the nice thing about this Is that you know Here we have A closeted gay character In Alabama And they this is the one thing That they didn't do tropey In that once He's outed it's just like Okay cool nothing has changed that is that is one of the reasons why I think this film definitely got that that glad film nomination um it's important I think to have that kind of just nonchalant matter-of-factness about his sexuality and the fact that that you know Melanie drunkenly outs him and it does not matter I think that's actually a good aspect to this
0: yeah Oh, definitely, definitely. And as you say, because that could have played a different way. Um, and the fact that it, it just... Nobody really was bothered, um, I think, probably was slightly ahead of its time. Um, so, yeah, no, I like that. I, I did like that part of the film. Although I think what she does is pretty horrible. Maybe goes back to the whole social <laughs> thing. Um, but, because, um, yeah, I, I, I felt... But then again that bit in the bar she's really quite mean she's not just mean to him she's mean to all of them
2: yeah it's very much a lash out thing but then even later on she at least admits the fact that she's lashing out at everyone so that people aren't looking at her you know and and pointing out her foibles and it's a defense mechanism and not that it excuses what she does but it at least explains what she does it doesn't make melanie a better person by any stretch of the imagination yeah. just a just a yeah. bad drunk <laughs> there are a number of uh, of decent namers in this film in smaller roles uh melanie linsky rona mitra as uh, melanie's friend from new york and dakota fanning played young <laughs> melanie in the beginning of this you know yeah. this has a very very good cast even though you Know you, some of the names may not have been as familiar to a lot of people at that time.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, a good ca- I like Melanie Linsky actually. Um, I most recently saw her in Yellow Jackets. Okay, did you watch Yellow Jackets?
2: I have not watched that show yet.
0: It's it's pretty it, it, well. The first season's better than the second, but um, it is pretty good. But I think Melanie Linsky is actually. A really really good actress like she's been in some um some really good stuff and a couple of the others i'd, I'd um i'd seen i'd definitely seen in small parts before as well
2: yeah i mean i'm most familiar with melanie linsky from heavenly creatures and from but i'm a cheerleader Right, which is another right. movie that actually qualifies for the, for this show. Oh, is it? Yeah. heavenly
0: creature, heavenly creatures is a, is a good movie. It's a really good movie. You no, know, and of
2: course, Rona Mitra, you know, in the one underworld film that Kate Beckinsale didn't do, but also in Doomsday, uh, which is a film that I actually have up on my whiteboard to cover on this show at oh, wow. some point in time this year. But Dakota Fanning, okay, I, I have to. I'm, I'm I'm not dissing Dakota Fanning at all because I thought she did a very good job as young Melanie. The opening scene is young Jake and young Melanie on the beach. And, you know, it's it's a very cute little sweet scene until they're struck by lightning. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching this. And I'm like, is God angry that they kissed? Because what the hell is going on?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> it is bizarre. And apparently Dakota Fanning was only seven.
2: She was only seven. This was actually apparently her first ever kiss. like ever but the thing is like i i understand that the whole um when lightning hits sand it turns it into glass because of course when sand is superheated it turns to glass and it creates these wonderful little glass monuments and and you know i i get the cute um hallmark-esque kind of aspect of of that but i'm I'm gonna tell you on first watch i'm like Okay, so they're in the south, and the kiss, and lightning strikes down. Nothing good is going to come from this.
0: <laughs> That's fear. <laughs> this,
2: this, this is just where my head goes at this point sometimes. But, but. The key thing here is that I think the pieces are there to definitely work with this. But what stands out to you? Like, now that we've sat there and dissected, like, the actors and the characters and whatnot, what is it about Sweet Home Alabama that did work for you?
0: I think it's just it's straightforward. It's simple. It's a simple story. It's not, like, there's nothing. I mean, apart from Melanie being possibly a bit of a sociopath, there's nothing like dark in it there's nothing even like we have spoken about the storyline with Bobby Ray it doesn't you know it just stay the whole movie just stays like light and it's sweet and you know things work out as I think you're supposed to think that they should do by the end and I think you hope that Maybe it doesn't come across so well on in the film, but you kinda of hope that Mel and has like learned a lesson and realised that she shouldn't be ashamed of where she comes from and she's re eh, what's the word? She's like reunited with all her kind of childhood friends as well that she'd maybe lost touch with. And I think as well there's this sense of this like small town. Like I live in Quite a small town, and I do quite like, and it is a bit tropey, but this idea that this kind of like southern, tight-knit, close-knit community, and um, you know, this bar that they all go to and they all know each other, and um like I'm not much of a city person. I do like smaller towns, and you do get I suppose maybe this is something actually, because I live in Scotland. There are little towns in Scotland that are probably like little towns in the south you know what i mean that have got these like pubs that like everybody goes to and everybody knows each other and people are like you know got together with people when they were at school and then like went on to get married and so i don't know if there's just an element of I understand that a bit because it's not too dissimilar. I mean, the town I live in is, 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 is I think, quite a bit bigger than, what's it, Pigeon Creek or whatever it is is supposed to be. But I think it maybe just rings a bit of a bell and that just kind of... And of course, as well, when I first saw it, I was 18. Like, if I first saw it for the first time now, I don't think I would have the same affection for it. But I think it's partly to do with the age I was. When I first saw it, I think I just was like, "Oh, this is so lovely. And I didn't think about all the flaws at that time. I just thought about all the nice things about it and um, how much I enjoyed going to see it at the cinema. And like I said, I went with my mum and I think the two of us really enjoyed it. I think maybe one of my friends was there as well. So there's probably a heavy dose of nostalgia involved in why I like this movie so much, to be fair.
2: One of the things that that I'm, I'm very curious about is that when this film came out of course like it it made bank right it Mm -hmm. made like you know you you do the math on a 30 million dollar budget and 180 plus million dollar worldwide box office like there's no question that this film made bank and it's not like i'm asking for a sequel but i mean keep in mind that this film came out in 2002 you know so this is when a film like this can actually do well and dominate at the you know, at the box office. Not that it had much competition from Tuxedo, because I'm sure that film probably qualifies for the show as well. <laughs> but the thing is, if this film were to be made today, is this the kind of film that's going to make it in the theatres or is this going straight to streaming?
0: Mm, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think rom-coms have had their day a little bit. um... I mean I'm trying to think of the last time a big rom com made a lot of money at the cinema and I can't think I can't think of the last time. Um I think the so, last one
2: might have been The Lost City with Sandra Bullock.
0: Oh, that was pretty awful. I watched that. Yeah. See I, I enjoyed
2: it. that. No. Oh my wife and I oh, did you- my wife and I went to the theater, and we actually had a lot of a lot of fun watching that film. Right. Uh, and I was sitting there thinking, okay, well, maybe this kind of film is coming back into the theaters. But you know, most rom coms these days seem to be going straight to streaming.
0: They do. Um, they do. Okay, so that one, that one aside, I can't think of another rom com that's done really well at the box office in the last five. Even t- ten years, and I think you're right. I think a lot of them now go they go straight. A lot of them go straight to Netflix. You see a lot of these kind of films on Netflix. So I think if this came out today, it would be a straight to Netflix, and it probably would have a Christmas.
2: It's <laughs> a it's a it make, Yeah, <laughs> but it, I, th- yeah. I think the good thing is that you take a look at a film like this with only a thirty million dollar budget. You know, yeah. And yeah. at that time, you know, like obviously a lot. There's a lot more that went into. um cost of production because of course to shoot things on film and whatnot like i'm sure you could do that same film today because there's not a lot to it that would require too much so you could probably do that film for about 15 million today given today's technology which yeah. makes it perfect for a streaming service like an apple or Paramount or a netflix yeah also for the record there is apparently a gender swapped bollywood version of of Sweet Home Alabama, starring <laughs> starring Priyanka Chopra Jones. The movie is called Barsate. And I'm now curious to see what a Bollywood Sweet Home Alabama would look like.
0: Oh, definitely. That sounds fun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now I have to check if it qualifies. But before we go, okay, so we, we, we've gotten to this point. We've gone through the film. First question, before we get to our MVP... Thirty-eight percent is the critic score on this. Okay, just to, just to re- refresh our memory here: thirty-eight percent, Tomatometer, seventy-eight percent, audience score. To you, where does this film sit?
0: To me, like seventy-five, eighty. Um, but I do recognize that 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 is a lot of. Just how I felt, feel about it and when I saw it. As I said, if I saw it like you for the first time yesterday, my score would probably be quite a bit lower than that. And I think it's always important when you're talking about movies to recognize that some movies just have a special place in your heart when actually objectively they're <laughs> maybe not quite as good as you think. But I think the critic score is hard. I do think the critic score is harsh. Like, I don't, I mean, what do you think of that? Because obviously you did just see it for the first time yesterday. Do you think the critic score is pretty harsh?
2: I mean, I I think even my score would still have a qualify for this podcast in that under 60%. But I think it probably sits about that 50, 53%. And I think that is, you know, that's giving a lot of credit to Reese Witherspoon and the charm that she's able to bring to Melanie, despite the fact that she is a cat-killing sociopath in this film.
0: (laughs) the bit about the cat is like we we touched on it earlier right but just to kind of maybe go into a bit more detail when he's explaining it he says something like oh the cat was terminally ill she didn't want the cat to go into one of those things that sucks the lungs out and I was like what is he talking about if you euthanize a cat it's like an injection where they go to sleep it's very peaceful how would strapping dynamite to a cat be less peaceful than that yeah i think do you think that that's actually a real like you said a real story that somebody's put in there because they're like this actually happened
2: i i honestly don't know but it just seems so far-fetched and out there that somehow either this has happened yeah yeah somehow somewhere some way or like someone's had got some real (laughs) up dreams and they're actually putting it down into scripts but the thing is like i understand the idea of you know you don't want the cat to suffer. Okay, you put it down, whatever. But to strap dynamite to it and then it starts walking around, it's like, okay. It's, it's yeah. That,
0: that bit's a bit wild, yeah.
2: Yeah, and the fact that there's a cat eating the cake at the end of the film and it looks a little bit mangy and you're sitting there going, oh, crap, they went back to that again, didn't they?
0: Yeah, and that's a bit almost a bit fantastical because at that point, the cat would have to be about 40 years old or something. So that... It, it does slightly take away from the movie a bit because it's got this nice ending with a song and then you think this cat that looks like it's got rabies or something is eating the cake and it's a bit. Yeah, I think I could have probably done without that. They could have got rid of the cat right at the end. Yeah,
2: that, that's one of those that seemed like a good idea at the time. Maybe not so much now. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. All right, Vanessa, who is your MVP of Sweet Home Alabama?
0: Kansas Bergen. Yeah. Hands down. Um, like I said, every time she... I mean, it would have been good if she'd had more, but as much as I think Reese Witherspoon is really sweet and really suited to this role, it's Candice Bergen, I think, that's just the best thing about it. And as as I said, she steals, like, every scene that she's in. So, yeah, Candice Bergen for me.
2: For me, it was actually Josh Lucas, and I think it's... Oh, all right, cool. I think it's one of those things where they could have played him to be an absolute ass... But it's just one of those things where just the little things that they had him doing uh, made him a much better person uh, and absolutely appreciate what he brought to the role. And yes, played very well against... against Reese Witherspoon so that's all good although I did have to give a shout out to Ethan Embry as well for his role as Bobby Ray because he actually helped humanize both Melanie and Jake and that's no small feat in this film (laughs) considering considering Melanie's character in this one here Vanessa thank you so much before we go please let our listeners know where they can find you and the Movie Duel podcast out there on the interwebs
0: Movie Jill Podcast, everywhere you get your podcast, basically. I am also on Instagram at Vanessa Cordner and um yeah and find me if you want
2: to say hi <laughs> thank you so much and to you our listeners thank you for so much for listening to this episode of it's not that bad now you guys know the drill if there's a movie out there that you think is unfairly maligned or is just so bad that there is no way in Alabama that we can find anything good to say about it hit us up on social media at not that badcast or go to our website at not that bad and while you're there make sure to check out all of our other shows as well as our guest appearances page where you can hear me on the movie deal podcast as well on one of the quick drop bonus episodes vanessa thank you so much listeners thank you so much this is it's not that bad a member of the pantheon podcast network take care